Well, we're in this series called The Road to a Promise. Uh, if you're new, let me kind of catch you up to speed. Uh, we've been talking for the last three weeks about Mary and Joseph out of Luke chapter 2. And Mary and Joseph had been given a promise, and that promise was named Jesus. And they, they took the promise of Jesus, and they raised him as God instructed them to do. And we walked these different roads. There were three different roads that Mary and Joseph had to walk down in Luke chapter 2. And there's three roads that all of us have to walk down when we're believing God for a promise. So if you're new, let me, let me catch up to speed on that. Um, what promise are you believing God for? What are you hoping for in your life? Maybe it's a broken relationship that you're hoping is going to be restored. Maybe it's a, a relationship, a new relationship. Maybe you're single and you're hoping that you're going to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Uh, maybe they're sitting right next to you or you say, dang, there she is, two rows in front of me. When are we going to do meet and greet again? Okay, so um, that's why we do it, people. That's why we do it. We're here for the singles. <laughs> Maybe it's a financial miracle you're believing God for. Maybe it has to do with your health and you're believing God for that. Or maybe you're saying, man, one day I'm going to get that diploma or I'm going to start that ministry. Whatever it is, if you've not been a part of this series, go back, listen to the podcast. We're on iTunes now. You can download it there. Uh, at the end of chapter 2, Mary just says these, it says these simple words about Mary. Is it says she stored all of these things in her heart. What that means is she looked back at all three of these roads the road to Bethlehem, and she thought about the birth of the promise and how she ended up in a stable and not in Jerusalem where she th thought maybe the Savior would be born in Jerusalem. Right now, born in a stable in a forsaken place. Maybe that's you today. And it was the road to Jerusalem where she went back and dedicated Jesus. And we talked about this idea of dedicating our promise back to God and the process of a promise. And then last week we talked about the road to Nazareth and losing sight of the promise. Sometimes it's been so long, you believe for the promise, but whatever, you got distracted or you got discouraged. No different for Mary and Joseph. So today, what I want us to do, though, is look at the sovereignty of God in our life. You're going to get a, a front row seat to what I've been able to witness in one of my good friend's life. Mike Kankel Fritz is here. He's going to come up in just a moment. He's going to share his story. Uh, and you're going to get to see the different roads that God has taken him on. And my hope is, is that it's going to inspire you. It's going to encourage you this Christmas season, especially if you've got something intimately you're struggling with. So let me pray for you, and then I'm going to let you be seated. Father, thank you for this Christmas season. Man, we just got to thank you for Jesus. This is that moment. That's why we're all in the house today. We're in the house today to honor you, honor you for sending your son Jesus for our salvation, that we do have hope, that we do have healing, we have peace, and we have purpose through Jesus Christ. So today, God, whatever, whatever's happening in this room, whatever struggles are there, whatever promise people are believing for, whether they followed you for decades or maybe for those who are here today, that don't know your name, they, they're not following you, but they, they want to believe or they at least want to understand who you are, I ask today that you would speak to them in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, uh, I want to invite my good friend, Mike Kankelfritz, up. As he's coming, will you just give him a big hand? Welcome him. For those of you who have been here, you, I've been telling you that Mike's coming, and if you're uh, brand new, kind of let me catch you up to speed here. I, I should tell you that I haven't always been a preacher. Uh, I actually started my life thinking my whole trajectory of my life was going to be uh, radio, that I was going to be on the radio, and that was going to be my life. It's all I ever wanted to do. It's all I ever dreamed of doing. And then Mike and I uh, came together here in Tulsa at a station called Kick 99, doesn't even exist anymore. Like, that station isn't even there anymore. But we were a part of that, uh, and we did that morning show 
together, although it wasn't Mike Kinkelfritz. His name at that time was, you want to tell everybody what your name Buster was? Buster Brown. Buster Brown. So it was Brad and Buster in the morning. This is what we looked like back in the day. There we are, looking pretty good. And that's Stan the Man Grunwald yes. back there who did mornings on K-Hits for a while. Yeah, so we... Uh, Does we anybody did... here listen to K-Hits? Anybody remember? Oh, wow, yeah, okay. we got some okay. people that are willing to say that. Yeah, you should have been All listening right. to K-Hits. <laughs> so we, we did this morning show um, together, and we, I want to share a little bit about that, that journey. We had some, we had some really uh, fun times, some good times. One of them being the interview of this guy right here, Richard oh Simmons. Gosh. Anybody remember Richard Simmons? Candy striper shorts. He, uh, that guy was like literally, what you see is real. He's like climbing the walls energy nonstop. Didn't, go. He, didn't he have us do aerobics or something? Yeah, or, something like that. aerobics? Right. Yeah, he was pretty bizarre. And our, uh, our news gal, Andrea, at the time was trying to do the news while he's standing behind her the yeah, whole she's time. She's being real serious. She's trying to deliver, like, hard news, and he's, like, going like this in her hair. You can stop now. You can oh, stop sorry. Now. <laughs> and I worked hard on that after yeah. that baptism to get it back in the right place. But we, uh, and at the station we were a part of, we, we really honestly didn't have a lot of money, so we had to, we had to uh, use kind of guerrilla tactics to get our name out there. We, we never could sponsor any of the concerts for whatever reason. They didn't sponsor us. So another competing radio station that I, I won't mention, I'll just give the initials K95 so you don't know who they are. Um, but they kind of owned the market, and they um, so we weren't really allowed to promote at these concerts, but we found a way to get in. Yeah, we would get in, and we would put on as many Kick 99 t-shirts as we could and still walk. And, I mean, I don't know how many... Into See, anywhere from 35 to 50, 50 shirts, shirts each of us would have on. Yeah. So, you know, it looked like we all were a little heavier than we were. And then we would get out there and tear them off and throw them into the crowd and just run around. And before we got, like, security came and <laughs> before they kicked us <laughs> who were these wackos yeah. with all these shirts on. But one, one of the things, too, is we would always um, send somebody else out to do goofy stuff. We, we, would send, we had all these different interns that would come in for uh, a year or whatever. Uh, we would always, we wouldn't let them choose their on-air name. Uh, we would choose their on-air name for, for them. One, one of them was Spanky Bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> that was one we chose. He's like, really? Yeah, you're Spanky Bottoms. Now go, Spanky. <laughs> but we sent him out uh, one time to a truck stop uh, dressed in a sumo suit. Yes, like those big, huge, um, and we had him walk up to truckers and ask them to punch him. <laughs> so <laughs> what we would do is he would have the phone in his ear, and he would have to say to people whatever we told him to say. So if he saw a trucker, we'd say, hey, can I have a hug? And he'd have to say, can I, can I have a hug? <laughs> and then he'd say, uh, tell him, say, I love you. And he'd be like, I love you. <laughs> and I think that's when he got decked. Yes. <laughs> So we uh, began this journey um, together at Kick 99, doing the morning show together. Oh, don't forget, we used to take donuts and fill them with, like, mayonnaise and ketchup or, like, A1. And then when country artists would come in for interviews, we would build this thing up like this. There's this amazing place in Tulsa, and their donuts are so awesome. We want you to try one on the radio. To see Travis Tritt's face trying a mayonnaise donut. 
Because they're, they're trying to like, oh, really? This is really good? And so the, how is it? So on the air, they're like, uh, it's good. <laughs> Travis Tritt had an amazing mullet, but I digress. Uh, anybody remember Travis Tritt? Anybody? I saw he's coming back. I think he's coming to town. I, th- I think I saw that. Uh, so we began this, this, uh, this journey together. Now, what's interesting is we, um, when we're talking about this series called The Road to a Promise, and, and Mary and Joseph and The Road to Bethlehem and the birth of a promise, you and I really experienced the birth of a promise there as we were together. You want to talk about that? Yeah, we, um, it's interesting. At uh, the end of our show, we would have a great show and everything, but it was like there was this sort of an emptiness, like that, you know, I guess you could say we weren't content. There was just a desire to do something else, and so we started this Bible study, and it started out with just me and Brad, and then another guy named Steve started coming, and then this uh, amazing woman of God, Karen Walden, started coming, and she was a woman of God. I mean, she was a, uh, a real prayer warrior. And then we had a couple other people coming, and then we ended up, I think we met at her house once, and we had, I don't know how many extra people that showed up for that and prayed for healings and stuff like that. There was one girl that had a, uh, an ovarian tumor, and uh, they prayed for her, and she was healed. Some amazing things were happening. Yeah, it was an interesting time because we just started this small little study and just kind of prayer, and it was like a Tuesday morning when we would yeah. do this, and it just kept growing and growing. And management got nervous, and so they said, you got to do this off-site. And so they, they, we went over and found this little Baptist church, and we asked them if we could meet there. And they were like, they were so suspicious of us. I don't know why, but they were like, what are you, why? What are you doing? What are you? I'm like, we're not having seances here, people. We just want to pray. And so they let us meet there. Um, it was interesting, too, because management, I don't know if it was because of the prayer meetings or what it was, but we were on a secular radio station. And Mike and I, we very much pushed not a Christian agenda, but just who we were as as men. Never once did we ever talk about Jesus on the air. I mean, it was a positive um, show. Right. Right. And we never had, but we had management came to us and said, hey, you got to stop talking about Jesus on the radio. And it's like, well, we never say the name of Jesus on the radio. And then they come and say, no, but you got to stop talking about Jesus on the radio. We never could figure that out because we would never actually use the name of Jesus because we weren't supposed to. But we, so we did this, and then we began to see a stirring in both of us that I don't think this is what we're supposed to keep doing. We didn't know at the time what God was doing. What's bizarre, I think, is, so we're in this Bible study, Mike and I are praying, and we just begin the stirring, like, I think God's going to do something else. What's bizarre is I never, it was just so weird to sit down there with you on that front row and realize 20-some years ago, we were sitting in this Bible study praying together, and we had no idea that one day, we weren't praying like, God, we just pray one day you'd put Mike on K-Love in front of millions of people, and then you'd make me a pastor, and then one day we could come together on a stage and share our story together. Amen. We had no idea, no idea where life would take us. How many of you would say, you're right where you thought God would put you? Anybody? How many of you, yeah, nobody. How many of you are like, hey, I, I had no clue this is where I was going to be or what my life was going to be like? Anybody? Okay, a lot, most of us are testifying to that. We had no idea the journey God was going to send us on and talk about the road to a promise and ended up in Bethlehem. What happened to us after several years of being together, uh, management came in and they uh, let Mike go, uh, which is code for you're canned, you're fired. I, I didn't know it was coming. They said the show is going in a new direction without me. 
That is what they said, yeah. And it was really discouraging to me because Mike and I were good friends, but he was one of the best morning partners I'd ever had. Our show was really strong, and um, and it was challenged our friendship because it was, there was a Brad a part of that, wasn't a part of that, and it was so frustrating and so discouraging in that moment. Tell everybody, though, the, so from that, your journey, just of where you've been and kind of where you're at now. Well, at the time, I was actually going to school at Rama, and um, so I thought, well, maybe God wants me to be a pastor. And so the weird thing is when I got out, there was no direction at all to be a pastor, nothing, zero. And um, so I sold health and life insurance for a while, and I was good at it. It was, it was I like people, and there's a lot of, you know, you talk to people and things like that, and... But I just knew this wasn't it, and deep down inside, I knew I was supposed to be in radio, and it was like this thing dawned on me, maybe I'm supposed to be in Christian radio, and I don't know why I didn't figure it out until, you know, I've been in broadcasting since 1989, and here we are in 2001, and it finally, you know, this this light came on, and so... uh, I ended up doing Christian radio. The first opening that was at a Christian station was in uh, the Grand Rapids, Holland, Michigan area. So I moved there, moved back to Tulsa, worked at Craig with Craig at KXOJ, the Craig and Cankle Fritz show. Then I was uh, in Houston for about six years at another Christian station. Then I've been at uh, K-Love now. I was there for about six years. And what's amazing is, so Mike, uh, in our best day, we probably had... I don't know, 150, 200,000 people a day listening at, at best. But God then elevates you, takes you from this Bethlehem, moves you around, puts you on K-Love. On an average day, how many people listen? About 15 to 18 million. A few more than we're listening to our morning show. Just a couple a more. Bit. I'm not good with numbers, but that's a lot of people. <laughs> but then we're, we're coming close to Christmas, and just a few weeks ago you walk in, and then they let you go. And so here, here you are on this journey now, um, right before Christmas, losing your job. One of the things in this series has been, I talked about the road uh, to Jerusalem and how Mary and Joseph went and dedicated Jesus back to God. And when you and I were talking through this, one thing I saw in you is that you, instead of like cursing God through all of this, like really God, it's right before Christmas, really, I'm at the pinnacle of success, I've gotten right to where I'm, I have the greatest influence, and, and what is happening to me, but I've seen you just kind of, you always seem to give it back to God and trust him with that process. Talk, talk about that. Well, first of all, I've learned that this isn't my life. It's his. And I think that in a way, that's a hard pill to swallow. If you're truly going to make him the Lord of your life, well, what does that mean? He's the CEO. He's the president. He's the one that guides and directs you what you're going to do next. So not that I always believe that these things are guided and directed by him because we do have this enemy that's in this world and he just wants to get you. Um, But Romans 8.28 is true regardless of who caused it, and that is God always makes good come out of bad for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. It, you know, it's almost like the devil has the barrel of the gun pointed at his own face, but he doesn't realize it. God's going to try that. 
you know. We're going to see some good come out of that. Uh, I just want to do what he wants, whatever that might be. And so it's, I think these times are always an opportunity to take a, you know, a, I guess analyze yourself, analyze, okay, God, what do you want for me next? And to really seek him in that area. There are those that believe that God is one that says, you know what, there's several different opportunities for you. Pick one. Um, I, I think that's plausible. I think that's, you know, that there's several things you could do in life. As long as you're in his will, as in you're following him as a Christ follower, which means just following the Bible. And I believe that. I think that's true. For some reason with me, there's always been this peace when I know that I'm going the right way. And there's a verse that talks about let peace rule in your heart like as an umpire. Well, what does an umpire do? He sits behind the plate and says, strike! Or that's a ball. Actually, I don't even say anything when there's a ball. For some of these, it's total authority when there's a strike. But if they throw a ball, anyhow, um, I don't know why that is. But so the bottom line when you feel peace in an area, I think that's where God says, take the step this direction and let the peace call the shots. Are you having peace in this area of life? Go that way. Um, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So you take that step in that area where you follow peace. And right now, we're thinking maybe God wants us to maybe to go to Arizona. My wife's from Oklahoma. She's never been to Arizona. Oklahoma is what country? Green country, at least this part of it. Um, and, you know, she looks at these pictures online, and she's like, honey, it kind of looks like Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure we want to go there. Well, what I love about what you say when it comes to the peace of God is, is what you see sometimes physically doesn't make sense, but you still have that peace. Yeah. Well, that's the... You know, that's why I love the, the, the phrase in the Bible, the peace that surpasses understanding. It makes no sense why you should have peace. That's what that phrase means. This makes no, I mean, this is just goofy, stupid, dumb, whatever, but I feel peaceful. So this is one thing. I want to talk about your family because I've seen you just have peace despite overwhelming adversity uh, that people would see in your life. Um, this is some pictures of Mike's family. This is his boy Sam, who's right now back in 252. Uh, he's eight, awesome kid. And then you're going to see the next is a picture of, that's his wife Becky, and that's his daughter Abby. So we talked about uh, last week the road to Nazareth and losing sight of the promise. Jesus was 12 years old. Mary and Joseph were only 12 years into a 33-year promise. They had had a promise, but not the fulfillment of the promise. That wouldn't happen until the cross and the resurrection well, you're almost right there, really. You're 14 years in. Walk us through what that's been like for you, because I know you're a man who believes in her healing um, and look forward to that. Talk to us about that. Well, one day when Becky was pregnant with Abby, she didn't feel her moving inside of her, so she calls the doctor's office, and they're about to close. It's late in the day, and they said, well, why don't you just go to the hospital and have one of those non-stress tests where they put the goop on there and they move this thing around and they can hear the heartbeat. And, sorry, I'm really thirsty. I'm, for some reason, really thirsty all the time, and I have a bladder the size of a pea. So <laughs> we'll see how this works out later on. But um, so we go to the hospital, 
and we do that non-stress test, and they can tell by the way the heartbeat is going that Abby is under stress. There's something wrong going on inside of there, and so much that the nurse got on the phone with the doctor and said, you need to get in here right now. Um, basically, the way they explained it to me right away is it would be safer for her to be outside than inside, and so they did an emergency C-section, and... And it was like the fastest thing that never, I mean, it was like they prepped her for surgery and she's in there, I'm in another room. And pretty soon there are these doctors that are running down the hall with a baby in their hands. And this doctor then comes back and says, I think you have a, a healthy child. Well, what happened was because of what was going on with our daughter, she had a, her um, the umbilical cord had hemorrhaged. And so we don't know how long they were losing blood. We don't know how long Abby didn't get blood, but um, that was going on. And then a doctor uh, comes back and after a while, and he says, no, actually, I was wrong. Your daughter's very sick. In fact, we need to transfer her across town. And it literally was more from going one town to another, to another hospital. So I've got a wife in one hospital and a daughter in another one, and... The doctor met me at the door when I got there to tell me how serious everything was, brought me into a room with a couple of nurses and sat me down and told me what might be going on. And I didn't know this, but they're always making notes. And it was actually written down in the, in the notes. Uh, a doctor wrote down, parent, father does not understand the seriousness of the situation because I'm a man of faith. I'm like, everything's going to be okay, you know. Well, as time went on, she was in the NICU for over a month, and when we got her out, we got her home. Um, over time, we could tell something was wrong. Something wasn't. Oh, and by the way, when they discharged her, they give kids that are in the NICU a long time hearing test, and they said, your daughter is profoundly deaf. So there's the first bad news. And then over time, we could tell there was something wrong with Abby, and she just wasn't developing right. And they first... Diagnosed, diagnosed her with a developmental delay, and then they said that she has cerebral palsy. And so it's, it's been a, that, that initial first time was very, very difficult. It was hard. Um, you know, my wife, you know, dropped into a, a big depression, and it, was, it wasn't easy, but still believing everything's going to be okay at every turn that I will see her healed. Well, you know, it's 14 years later, and She's still Abby. She's still in that wheelchair. She, she smiles. She cries. She holds your hand. Um, we, we've heard one word that we recognize come out of her. Um, talk, she, to us about how, talk to us about how you process that. Because I know there's a lot of people that have been believing God for a promise. It's been a long, long haul. I know I mean, I've met few people that have the kind of faith and believe in actual physical, the physical healings of God. And I know you're believing for her healing. How do you, how do you live in that um, tension of I'm believing God for her healing, but this is where uh, she is today? You know, I think initially, you know, when you go through those stages of grief, there is denial. There is, you know, this isn't really happening to me. And then you're facing the reality that this is true. Um, I think for us, it's that, you know what? I know that God is good, first of all. And I think that that truth 
kept me going through all this and kept us both going through all this in that you have to, by the way, I don't think you can use events as a way to create your theology or how you believe who God is. You can't use an event that happens in this world because just watch the news. Seems to me there's a lot of bad stuff going on. Is God intimately involved in causing all that stuff? I have a hard time believing that. And so with my daughter's situation, I have a hard time believing in a God that would cause her to be this way just so that I could learn something or, you know, I, you know, it's almost like, hey, let's take your child's hand, put it on a burning stove so that the child can learn it's hot. That doesn't make, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. And just look at the life of Christ. And I believe that if you look at Christ, you see perfect theology and look at all the evil he faced on this earth. He, he was fighting it daily. Um, what was the, one of the temptations of Christ was when the enemy took him to the edge of a cliff and said, see all this? I'll give it to you if you bow and worship me. It says, because it's been given to me. There is a scripture in the Bible where it says God is in control, but it actually says this. It says the whole world is under the control or sway of the wicked one. So I think it's, it helps to know that God is a good God. It says in James that, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who does not change. So I think John 10.10 10 clears up a lot of bad theology, and that is that the devil does come to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. There are opposing forces on this planet. If you don't believe it, it is true. There are demons and angels fighting as we speak. So, yeah, because if you don't believe that, what? Uh, just as so you know, what you what you're not aware of is, um, I was hoping Abby could be here today, but um, you guys were coming down from Indiana. Um, she's on this new medication, St. Louis. She starts to get sick. Then it appears she's going to be okay. Two o'clock in the morning, wake up. She's throwing up, and and she's sick. So here you are. You're like, come on, God. I mean, I'm like, it's Christmas time. It's your birthday. Um, I, I'm, I'm living my life for you. I'm, I'm going to tell people my story. You think you'd cut me some slack. But there are angels and there are demons at work right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so I think that, I think God gets blamed for a lot of stuff. I, you know, and I think the best place to be as far as who causes what is at least to be in the area of, I don't know. I think that, you know, people mean well, but they'll tell you things like, you know, well, you know, God gave that child to you because he knew that you could handle it and you're the perfect parents for her and that kind of thing. And okay, maybe. But part of that sounds like a bunch of, you know. <laughs> and now you know why he's not on Christian radio That's anymore. Right. Yeah. That's what happened. But, uh, you know, I think that also this, I've heard people say, you know, well, God took my husband and, and this is why. And these are the things that I learned. Hey, you know, Romans 8.28 is true, again, regardless of who caused it. I think we always want to figure out why. We want to have a reason for this awful thing that happened, and that will somehow give us peace. And honestly, I don't know why. I don't understand. Um, but I do know that God is good, 
and he has never left me. He's always been there. He's never left us. He's, he's there in us, going through everything that we go through, and that's his nature. He is a good, loving father. That's the one thing I've seen. Amen. Yeah. The one thing I've seen in Mike's life for a couple decades, and him and I were talking about this because I can pull back, I can have this 30,000-foot view, is um, we, we've, we've shared, uh, we've had very public lives. <laughs> you and I both have had very public lives, um, and people think, oh, I know everything about them, but, they, but there's some things that I, you know my tragedies, you know the intimacies of my, my struggles and the things that I've had to walk through. I've watched what you've walked through. And what I've seen in your life just over the course of two decades is every single time you just have this, this mindset of, no, God, God is good. I don't know what's happening because this is the same way I am. I have no idea why this happened to me, but I know that God is good. I'm going to stand on the side of God. And, and I've watched you over these two decades um, and the work that God has done in you to make you the man you are today, because God is, when I look at Abby, and I just look at, and I have a front row seat as a pastor to a lot of pain, a lot of pain, um, and what I have come to learn is God doesn't sit idly by and just go, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this this girl like this, and uh, and then I'm going to step in one day and be the hero, ta-da, Okay, that's honestly, that's sick and that's sadistic and that is not who our God is. Here's what our, I, this is what I believe. I believe that our God enters into our pain and suffering with us. That's the story of the cross. He enters into our pain and our suffering with us and brings good out of it. He suffers with you. He suffers with Becky, with Sam, with your, your, your parents and, and the grandparents and everyone and, and, and I believe that he's intimately involved in Abby's, Abby's life. Um, there's a lot of things that Abby gives that uh, I know she can't give you a lot, but you've told me that one of the best things she does. Well, just tell us some of the things she does, because this is so cool, like what she is able to give and how meaningful that is. Complete and total unconditional love. She has the sweetest spirit and... I love to just hold her hand. I love to just look at her. She'll smile at you. Um, she, she's got a laugh that is amazing. I mean, when she is like, it's almost you know, that thing where you're, when you're sucking in air, you sound like a horn. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, she is just busting a gut. And it'll make you laugh listening to her. I have no clue what she's laughing at. Now, now, Sam's been in the back there. Sometimes, like, you know, Sam will bit the dust, and she'll start laughing. So there's a little, <laughs> little honorary thing going on there. But, you know, she, uh, it's interesting to me. It's almost like on, on the outside, you would look at her, and she doesn't do a thing for you in a way. In fact, you're constantly giving. You, it's like taking care of a three-month-old. I mean, she, she doesn't walk. I don't know exactly what she's thinking all the time because I haven't, she doesn't talk. She doesn't, you know, she does have a cochlear implant so she can hear. Um, but she's there and she's with you and she loves you. And it's obvious that she does. You know, when you say that, um, 
and I, and I don't know how to, to work all this out, but whenever you've, you've told me it's like three times now, but every time you say that, all I think is, that sounds a lot like God. Like the way she is sounds a lot like God. It's almost like she's, and I, I don't know this is necessarily true, just but for me personally, I just feel like sometimes I feel like she, she's more closer to who Jesus really is because of the unconditional, I mean, just overwhelming. She has every reason to not love, but she says, I'm going to love. And how many of us have been inflicted with pain and suffering in our lives and say, I ain't loving nobody. I'm angry, and I'm mad at the world, and I'm mad at God. And here's a girl who has every right, and I, and I understand the deficiency she might have in, in understanding, but I'm just saying, like, but yet she chooses to give love, and that's who our God is. So what I'd like for you to do, Mike, I want you to pray over our people because I know today in this room many of you are facing a difficult road. It's Christmas, and it's a beautiful, beautiful time of year, the birth and the hope of our Savior for you. But I know some of you are really carrying some stuff, and I don't think there's anybody more qualified to pray over you than Mike, and I just really believe God is going to anoint his words to bring hope to you bring healing to you, and to bring peace over you. So would you bow your heads, and Mike, would you pray for us? Father, we just praise you, Lord. We exalt you. We magnify you. We lift you up on high. God, you are good, and you are worthy of praise. And so, Lord, we just exalt you. We thank you for everything that you've given us, because you're a good God, and you're merciful. And, Lord, we just thank you for your grace. And grace means unmerited favor. Also, it can mean an ability beyond our own ability. Father, I just pray for for those right now that feel like they don't have the strength to go on. They can't live this life. Father, give them that grace, an ability beyond theirs to do it. Help them to know that you have good plans for them. Your word says so. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're for good. They're not for evil. God, it's another example how you're a good God. And I also think, Lord, that your word says that you are able to do it above and beyond all we could think. One version says, imagine or dream. Lord, help us to dream big. Whatever it is that you maybe birthed in us a while ago and we pushed it back thinking maybe it was too scary or whatever. Help us to step out in faith, Father. You've got good things on the other side. Lord, we're not alone. Help each and every person here know that you're with them, that you've got them in your hands. And Lord, maybe it's as simple as someone giving their heart to you, maybe for the very first time, making you Lord of their life. Is that you? In fact, why don't we just all pray this prayer at the same time? Maybe you've never given your, your life to him, but you're feeling like, okay, this is the time. Christmas Eve, when Jesus came to this earth. So just everybody repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord, I give my heart to you. From this day forward, I live for you.
thank you for dying for me to wipe my sin away. You are the Lord of my life. So every decision I make, I ask you to help me make it. I live to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you thank Mike for me?